0: I got a phone call this morning, at, I think a little, just a little before 9, that Robbie was, had a pretty high fever and wasn't going to be able to make it. And um, Kenny had just left on a jet plane, so... <laughs> One thing led to another and thought about asking Aiden, like he's, he can't even be awake yet. But um, somehow, by the grace of God, it worked out. And he, he came and jumped, jumped in here, and um, he, did, he did a really good job. That is so tough to come into our music. I don't think he's here, but we'll have to um, send him an E, e applause. So, um, he's, he's been the, the neatest kid. He's, he's uh, been really, really neat to work with. Uh, stepping in, he's going to play bass like on the uh, 11th of December. I think Rob, that's when Rob's going to be gone, so he's going to fill in. And so it just um, blesses me to get these younger people in, get them started in and, and working with us. And that's, it's, uh, it, it feels double wonderful for me. It's not just about filling position, but um, <clears throat> just getting to use them and uh, connect with them and have them do things. It's just so cool. And um, Are you announcing your surprise yet? (laughs) Samuel and Katrina are pregnant. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Happens first the puppy and it's not long after that. That's always the sign they're trying to fill something and yeah, it usually doesn't happen too long after that. So that's, that's really great. They look really happy. So um, they're, they're those two are doing great. You, don't, you all don't hear a whole lot about them or from them. They're down in near Cincinnati living now, but really doing well, both of them. So that's been great. I know Lacey's just blessed by, by them and how well they're doing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I keep coming back to this subject and um, this book that I've been reading, uh, Imagine Heaven. And uh, it's really... It's really helped me um, in a lot of neat ways. And um, I love this author, um, John Burke. I highly recommend the book because he, he takes the, he calls them NDEs, near death experience, and then he'll put an E, R, posh, V, S, whatever, near death experiencers. And um, all of the, there's been a ton of these people's experiences that have been documented. Um, from all around the world, from different people, and uh, I did not know this, but D.L. Moody also began, he started realizing, wow, there are a lot of these people. He heard one testimony, then he started collecting data and experiences and documenting things. So he has a book out as well. I had not re- have not read that. He read that as well. <clears throat> and um, what is fascinating about it is the similarities. Um, from all around the world and from people even of different faiths this is when it really becomes so authentic they still experience encountering the man in white the one that is light that comes has a book and whatever and um there was a, a silly movie It's it's a tell on you if you can acknowledge that you watch this movie. It's a spoof, you know, kind of a funny, romantic, half adventure, romantic called Princess Bride. How many of you actually have seen that? Yeah. So, Um, and and I'm not a big uh, big on humor, but I, I it just it's just a neat it's a neat movie. All the different characters and everything's accentuated and um, half comical and half this and half that, and in, in this, in the midst of the story, Wesley, who's this young peasant boy that becomes, um, the dread pirate Roberts, which is very mysterious, and, um, he has fallen in love with Buttercup early in his life, then he's captured, taken away, comes back, and, um, at a certain point, he's, he's captured, and he's tortured almost to death, which it's all supposedly funny, you know, all the actors. And in this, uh, his friends come and rescue him, but he's, he's um, more or less dead. And this is where, what's, what's really interesting about this. It takes them to, I forget what Billy Crystal's character is. He's some kind of, you know, healer, eccentric person, you know, long, crazy hair, being Billy Crystal, and uh, he explains to them, he's not completely dead, he's just mostly dead, which is very comical, and they deal with him and kind of getting back to life, and he's, you know, all the things that go on, it's funny. Well, I start reading this book, and that phrase comes back to me, because the fact, the experience of so many of these people that have experienced this, the uh, uh, the analogy at the end is that they're mostly dead, not completely dead. Like there's not a finality in in heaven to their experience. They're not. They're only allowed in so far if they come back. Now, on Earth, they're viably documented, pronounced, dead, pull the sheets over their head, they're gone. It can be for a very short moment, or sometimes it can be for long moments. And they can see themselves, often they rise up in the room, they go up to the ceiling, like if you're in a, in one of these situations, like, you know, I, I'm like, we're going to have to start looking up and saying goodbye or whatever, or really, you know, I don't know. But they of, they often arise and can view what's going on, and, then, and they have different experiences. But it fascinated me that there's only so far they can come. There's sometimes a um, life evaluation. I, I talked about that one Sunday a few weeks ago. And... Um, the different things that they experience. So there is a, there's a place that they come to where there's, they've crossed over, like if you've come this far. So their experiences, not always, but normally cause them to come back and live completely differently. Like, wow, they have an awakening. Not all. But many of them, it changes their life when they encounter Jesus, when they encounter heaven, when they see the city, all the different things that they experience and see. And um, if you're like me, I I, um, I really love reading the last chapters of Revelation and reading about the city and just forgetting all the doctrinal complications of, you know, how much in the weeds we get with some of these studies. And uh, just just looking at this, this is a real city that's going to descend, that's in heaven, that's going to descend onto this earth, and it has boundaries and, and size and, and measurement. And uh, it's a phenomenal thing, and I love to just let go of my head and just read it, which I encourage you to do with your Bible. Your head's not going to make it anyway, so just quit trying. And, and just enjoy what you you're getting and go wow wow a city the river the leaves the healing leaves of the trees and the, and the things about it well often these people experience they see they don't get to enter into the city but they see it from a distance and they can see supernaturally and see extremely far distances uh, the light the the different things that are from it but they often many of them had experiences about it I come closer to the end of the book, and I've gone back. I've finally finished the book, and I'm, I came back to this uh, chapter called "Rewards and Judgments." And uh, not a uh, you know subject would go, "Oh boy, I want to hear more about that," or "Let's go, let's go to a conference about rewards and judgments." But it's actually a shame on us that we, um, shame on me that I don't talk more about it because it. Really is a big deal. And uh, in my religious Christianity, I had a lot of years in that realm, had a lot of attitudes about not asking God for help about things. That's, you know, vain. It's like, that was stupid, but I didn't catch that. And uh, now that I'm a grandpa, I understand, you know, like, oh, yeah, I want you to ask for me. I want to bless you. I want to, you know, give you. Like, all, all that's on my heart is to give you, take care of you. Bless you, and um, there's some behavior that you know is reciprocal in that. You know, but my heart is that I want to bless you, keep you, and um, to realize that everything is is documented, everything is kept, everything matters, and there are judgments there. And this was a wonderful breakdown of that. That I love the way this um, this man. John Burke broke this down and then related the experiences. So I'm just going to read mostly today and read some of the scriptures that are here. It'll help keep me on track. So this chapter, Rewards and Judgments. Gary's sister was driving while the siblings sang Silent Night on the way home during Christmas break. Suddenly, Gary heard a scream and an explosion, searing pain shot across his face, just as fast the pain was gone. His life flashed before his eyes, then he found himself transported through a brilliant tunnel-like pathway that led to a world beyond imagination. I then began walking on a green, lush carpet of grass that covered the hillside. "'Looking down, I noticed that the grass came all the way through my feet "'and that there was no indentations where I had just walked. "'From the hill, I viewed the outer portion of a magnificent city. "'After marveling at the beauty of paradise, Gary made his way up to the city gate. "'An angel came through the gate, and he was checking the pages of a book that he was carrying.' He then nodded to the giant angel confirming that I may enter into the city. Suddenly, there in front of me stood my best friend John, who had been decapitated but was now whole. His eyes sparkled with life as we embraced. John told me we had many wonderful things to sh- that he had many wonderful things to show me. John took me into a very large building that looked like a library. The walls were solid gold and sparkled with a dazzling display of light that loomed up high to a crystal, domed uh, ceiling. I saw hundreds and hundreds of volumes of books. Many angels were there reading the contents of the books. John explained to me that these books contain a record of every person's life that has ever been born throughout all history. Everything we do here on earth is recorded in these books, good or bad, everything." When near-death researchers proclaim that the life review shows there is no judgment, they are naively ignorant of what the scriptures teach. So some researchers have gone there. The Old Testament prophets and Jesus talk about two separate judgments. The great white throne judgment is a judgment of faith and determines who belongs to God. The Bema seat judgment is actually a reward ceremony for all who belong to God. A scripture makes clear neither judgment takes place until the end of human history as we know it. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding the servants, and this is scripture, for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both small and great, great and small, for and for destroying those who destroy the earth, Revelations eleven fifteen and 18. So it refers to both, both sides of this judgment. One of the most fascinating observations of NDEers correlates with Scripture's teaching of books in heaven recording all our deeds. Mary Bestman recalls seeing these during her NED. Piled on top of this shelf or table, made of stones were books upon books upon books, stacked up three or four books high, all along the surface, both left and right. Moses alluded to the book of life, which indicates who belongs to God. An angel told the prophet Daniel during his vision of heaven, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Daniel twelve one through one through three. Endy ears. <clears throat> confirm that scripture says there are books in heaven recording, recording all our deeds and the book of life which records the names of those who gave their lives to God. Both come into play after the end of time at the great white throne. Then I saw a great white throne, this is Revelation 20, 11, and 12, and him who was seated on it, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. People dismiss the idea of judgment. It's not a popular idea today, but it's been a common idea in most, of all, most all cultures for all time. What's uncanny is how many endearers refer to the books of heaven. Jeffrey Long's website contains the story of a 13-year-old girl who died in a pool accident and found herself at a city at the city gates, which she says sees where she sees books and an old friend. I was waiting in line at first, behind all these people, and then it was my turn. And I was standing in front of this big guy who I think was an angel. He was holding this big book. And the angel guy asked me for my name, and I told him. When he looked for it, he said, I'm sorry, but it's not your time. So I said to him, Why is it not my time? I'm ready to die. My life sucks. My best friend died five years ago. Why is it not my time? And then he turned around as if someone was talking to him and turned back around to me again and said, someone wants to talk to you. Then he pointed to the gate with the city behind it. It was Jake. You see, Jake, my best friend, died in a car accident five years ago. We were both seven years old and when I saw him there, I ran to the gate as fast as I could. We both reached out and grabbed each other's hands and cried. He looked my age, but I knew it was him. And I feel stupid in saying this, but he got cute since the last time I saw him. Ha ha ha. Then we talked for a while about things that happened about each other. And then the angel said, it's time for you to go back. Another teenager who had drowned explained on the same website that he also saw books. My angels did not like my response of, I don't want to go back down there, it is painful. You must, your mission is not complete. We communicated telepathically, no lips or mouth movements, all thoughts. Moment by moment, you discover how quickly you are gaining knowledge and how easily it is to accept. My three angels sought permission from above to show me something. What looked like a huge, four-foot-thick book of life, my life, just as my life had passed before my eyes when I was being drowned, when I was being drowned, I was now being shown my future life. The psalmist says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came to be, Psalms 139.16. Written in the book at first, it seemed strange to me why God would need to have books in heaven, but maybe they are there for us as a a record and reminder. Just like we have historical movies and books, heaven seems to have both a panoramic visual replay and books of record across the globe NDEs confirm books in heaven An oasis and haroldson reported as oasis and osis and haroldson reported hindu indians never experience reincarnation and dissolution in brahma the formless aspect of god which is the goal of indian spiritual serving striving but the concept of karma, accumulation of merits and demerits, may have been vaguely suggested by reports of a white robe man with a book of accounts. They miss the connection to the Bible completely, but report that multiple Indians mentioned this man in white, some called God, and, and books of account. Indian doctors said, the Indian patient seemed to die. After some time, he regained consciousness. He then told us, that he was taken away by messengers in white clothing and brought up to a beautiful place. There he saw a man in white with an account book. Another Indian saw a beautiful scene, lovely flowers. In there, he saw a man dressed in white sitting with an open book. At the great white throne, every person will see clearly their need for Jesus' payment for their debt. Like Jesus said, God will accept, forgive, and take back any person who wants God's leadership. God does not send anyone out of his presence. He gives them what they want. If they did not want God's forgiveness and leadership, they will be judged by their own words. As Jesus said, but I tell you that everyone who will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. Remember though, what NDEs experience is not judgment because NDEs didn't die, not fully. Long says 31% of the NDEers report some border or some border or boundary. I reached the point where I felt I had no had to make the choice whether to go back to life or 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 onward into death. My best friend was there who had died of cancer two years before. She told me that this was, was as far as I could go or I would not be able to return back. Heaven and hell will change. Interesting topic. After the great white throne, heaven and hell will change. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelations 20, verses 14 and 15. Death in Hades, or hell, the holding place of the dead, and all who did evil and rejected God will undergo the second death. Some think this is a type of annihilation. Others argue that eternal creatures cannot be annihilated. Whatever the case, evil, sin, pain, and suffering will never plague humanity again. God cannot allow those unwilling to submit to his rule into his eternal kingdom, or they would corrupt it like we did the earth and humanity. Nothing impure will ever enter the city of God, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelations 21 through 27. Then, this awesome scripture, John 5 24, says, If you're not sure what your verdict would be at the great white throne, you can be sure right now, as Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me and have eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from death into life. So that's an amazing promise. Now, the Bema Seat, B-E-M-A. At some point after Earth's history concludes, another judgment happens called the Bema Seat. It is a judgment for God's children. Yes, there is a judgment of believers, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due, f- due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.10. The word translated judgment is the Greek word bima, which refers to the judge's seat at the ancient games so games so of course we have our olympic or any athletic event where there are judges that are seated that are evaluating uh, how someone performed whether they kept the rules how they qualified how they did at different levels we have different types of but it's that type of of judge who rules now in our on earth there's always a winner and then a second winner and you know there, there's that thing. If you can take this picture of, of, of your life being judged, and then add to it this element that <clears throat> it is not a competition, that that it has to do with how you did, and that you will be rewarded according to how you did, regardless if anybody else was awarded that or not. There are plenty of gold medals to go around in heaven. And some of the things that we deem not that significant in this life may be highly rewarded in this judgment. We don't know. A grandmother who is a faithful intercessor for years upon years may move to the head of the class. And some of the greatest well-known ministers that we know may not be up there. We don't know. (laughs) Phyllis and I were having a um, scary conversation yesterday as we were (laughs) Christmas shopping. And, um, (laughs) wow, we were having a life review. How do we get started on that? And um, thinking back through the years, and I don't know, I don't know how we got started on this, but we did. And uh, there's this conclusion. We know that we were called to this. However, in this context, oh, my gosh, we're like, we don't know. How it will pan out. Uh, in reality, I mean, you start thinking, you think about what you were like as you started out, and you uh, all, all the mistakes and the crashes and the this and the that, and the, you know. And, um, yeah, I know you all, so you all have things that are like, whew, you know. And we're truly like, we, we were like, you know what, this is, this is getting depressing. Let's pull up from this, this subject, you know. And, and in conclusion, we don't know how it looked in heaven. We don't know what will actually get rewarded. We don't know. We don't know. But we know there are things that are important then there are things that are not important. And some of the things that are not important that won't, won't actually show up in here uh, at that point or in this judgment are like, hey, 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 what about that? <laughs> you know, It's like, oh, that, that didn't count up here. Wouldn't won't that be rough if you gave yourself to something that didn't matter that much? And you're patting yourself on the back because you, you felt you had success in something that you felt. So... It's a very sobering thing, not something to, to fear, but something to, if you know about it and we are to know about it, something to adjust your life to and redirect yourself and make sure that what you're giving yourself to is truly something that really matters. A couple more scriptures on this, First Corinthians chapter three, verse eight, and then eleven through fifteen. Each person will be rewarded for their own hard work. No one can this is from the new living translation. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. Can't have a better foundation. Foundation's rock solid, so you don't have to change that if it's if your foundation is faith in Jesus. Which is Jesus Christ, he says that. Anyway, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Wow, I don't want to be that person that gets in by the skin of my teeth. Paul pictures some people who came to faith and lived their lives investing in things of eternal value, and what they built with their life will stand and bring great reward eternally. Others received gifts, God's gifts, but lived mostly for themselves. Imagine a person running out of a burning house. They're safe, but all they work for just went up in smoke. What you do with your life really matters. Every moment of this life matters more than you ever imagined. Books, just think about the books, the book of your life. Hopefully, it adjusts you like, wow, it's a real These are testimonies of people that saw this. The Bema Seat is where Jesus rewards us. It's like a huge Oscars celebration for all of God's children across history. You thought the red carpet was a big deal. You ain't seen nothing yet. God promises to recognize and reward every single person personally. It's going to be the most rewarding thing you've ever imagined. Isaiah looked forward to it saying, see, your Savior comes. See, his reward is with him, Isaiah 62, 11. His reward is with him. If there weren't rewards, why would he bring his reward with him? For the Son of Man, Jesus said, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done, Matthew 16, 27. Hear that again. Oh, we know these scriptures, but hear it again. He will reward each man according to what he's done. So let's imagine that day and live for the things that God rewards. What gets rewarded eternally? When you think about life, it's really not fair at all. Half of humanity lives on less than $2 per day. So no matter what your annual income is, you are in the top 2% of the rest of the world. The powerful oppress the, the powerless. Suffering and injustice come with the territory for most. Yet God promises that one day those who persevered out of love for God will be rewarded. All those unseen times you wondered, is it worth it? It is worth resisting temptation, or that's a question. Is it worth being mocked, shunned, cast out among peers? Is it worth it to love God when I hurt so badly? Is it worth it to love people when they're so mean and evil? Is it worth it? One day you will see the answer is a resounding yes. Perseverance matters. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It is helpful for us to readjust and, and see this again and realize It is coming and how much it matters. And the rewards the Lord gives are worth getting. They aren't, they aren't silly. They aren't meaningless, they're huge. God personally promises to reward our perseverance. When no one else could see how hard it was for us, yet we clung to him and endured. He knows, he sees, and he's keeping track of everything. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich eternally. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Remain faithful even when facing death. I will give you the crown of life. Revelations 2 verses 9 through 10. So skipping ahead here a little bit Wherever you're struggling or suffering or going through trials remember be faithful to God endure and he will reward it Seeking God matters While confined to a Roman jail jail cell and facing execution Paul declared now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing 2 Timothy 4:8 God promises to reward those who diligently seek him walk by faith with him and long for him without faith It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So remember, anytime you're seeking the Lord, which is not the greatest part of your life experience, seeking because you're seeking, why? Because you need to know something, you need to see something, you need to experience something, you're you seek, why do you eat? Because you're hungry, hopefully. Why do you seek the Lord? Because you have a hunger. You have something you desperately need. And it doesn't matter what realm that is in. So you seek the Lord, it is that hungry, it is that sense of, I don't have what I see I can have. I'm not at the place where I think I can be. When Phyllis was teaching, uh, was it just last week or the week before? And she threw out and put a couple of people on the spot. What's righteousness? And you know, you know, on our our, our default, I, I remember sharing about this some a, a few months ago, maybe. And um, <clears throat> we're typically in our legalistic thinking, we're thinking rules and righteousness, keeping all the rules. And 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 actually the righteousness righteousness peace and joy like it is a, a a it's a state of of being a state of existing that you want it is not boring it's that sense of being completely clean completely connected to the lord that's righteousness righteousness is about no separation righteousness is about when you feel when, when, when a, sometimes when I believe, um, um, uh, riflemen and, and people that, that shoot or arrow, whatever, they'll say it's a righteous kill or it's a righteous shot, right? Like, what does it mean? It means it, it was clean. It was precise. It was, oh, that felt good. It was like, bang, I hit the target. And, and we need to move into a revelation of what righteousness is. And it's, it's that sense of, being completely alive it's when you're the most powerful because guilt and shame and condemnation and doubt and insecurity all of that weakens you terribly which also does unforgiveness and anything that is your heart is in turmoil about pay attention it drains your strength it drains you, does it not? When something's going on in your life, a trial and some what what happens? Your life energy just literally leaves you, doesn't it? You feel sapped and dry. I find it hard if I'm going struggling with something that's emotional, spiritual, then I'm just, it really hinders how I perform, how I function, how I build, how I how I do anything. Like I feel life's, a, righteousness is that sense of being clean and being connected. And so to live our lives that way and seek the Lord for that, that in itself gets rewarded just for seeking after it. We, we don't realize what a big deal it is to just come into the room and seek after. Again, back to the grandparent scenario, that's where my mind's at these days. If if the child, especially our little ones, if they walk into your house and they start calling out your name because they want what if they're seeking you, because they don't see you, or when they've lost track of you. And sometimes the pain in the neck, but most of the time, you know, it's like it blesses you. They're calling out your name. They're seeking. And, and in that role, you have every intention of meeting them at that place. You have every intention of giving them an award, a reward, just because they were calling out your, your name. And it's Christmas time. Are you not out of control? You know, like, okay, what's that about? Because you, you want to reward because they, they lo- and you want to see that surprise on their face. You want to bless them. That, that it's a very natural, that's the Lord when you seek Him, when you're looking for Him. And put Him first. Faith is another word for trust. You can't have a relationship without trust. That's why faith matters so much to God. Talks about that. Right? And then, I'm going to touch on this and close because there's well there's a lot more. Maybe I should just close. I think I will. There's too much. <laughs> it's too good. I don't want to. I don't want to rush through it, and I don't want to keep you longer than. It changes how we live if we'll move into really. I know this has just really given me an upgrade on looking at this stuff and we're it's here for us to encourage us and cause us to be even more intentional to live for what matters to God. When I when I read this portion a few weeks ago, it really impacted me. I'm like, "Oh yeah, it it's like because that question, what should I be doing? What's important?" And I'm striving here and I'm striving there and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Have you ever had that I'm, I'm exhausted, and I'm doing all that, and I'm exhausted, and I'm not even sure it's bringing the... Re- does it matter? And I, life will keep you so busy and preoccupied. Wouldn't it feel great to just, to just know for sure that what you're doing is what matters eternally? That what you're doing will, will bring the best result because you've got that priority right? And you're not trying to fulfill all of these roles, but you're identifying what's truly matters to the Lord, what's truly the right thing to do. Because it's not long, and you're not much good to anybody. You're just burnt out. That that's you don't, there's not an award for getting burnt out. And the, and the promise, the state we're to live in is, is to have renewed strength. You don't get an award for You know, looking, you know, being exhausted, distracted, and, you know, feeling separated from God. Like, it's about tuning in, dialing in. Don't you love to encounter peaceful people? And they can be very fruitful. But there's a peace about them. And when when they're here, they're really here. And when they're there, they're really there. Are you really here? Or are you there when you should be here? And when we've got all this stuff going on, pretty soon we're like, you know, the people in your life are like, hey, McFly, you know, are you with us? You know, get off that phone, dude. You know, you're, you're every place else. We're, we're together today. And, and you'll find if you allow yourself to be pulled in in so many directions, you won't be anywhere fully." And when you're not there fully, you're you're not doing well. When we get heaven in our sight, and even this judgment, it's not to be a a tormenting thing, it's to be an encouraging thing. Why does every athlete run the race as hard as they can? The prize. They've set their eyes on the prize. And scripture even uses that as an example. Run the race and keep the rules because you've got your eyes on the prize. And if you violate the way you get to the prize, you don't get the prize because there's a judgment. There is a Olympic judge watching your life. Maybe no one else sees, but the judge sees, but he sees. And he, in the end, identifies what what was done for the right reason, the right way. And, and it's comforting. Like, it releases you from trying to live under the scrutiny of people and our culture. That can be a monster. Public opinion. What's acceptable? Like, you've got to know in your heart, here's who I am. Here's what I'm called to do. And um, Kevin must be out with Micaiah or something, but... Um, I'll share briefly this. It was excellent. We were just having a conversation, I think, at Thanksgiving. And um, he was talking about the Lord. I should have him teach on this. It's so good. He said, the Lord just reminded me, put, get back to the, your first love, which we're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's always a call. Like, get back to your first love. You're, you know, you're distracted. And he said, and then the Lord said, pay attention to what you love to do when you were in that realm of being fresh and new with your walk in the Lord. And he said, it's been so liberating for me to just go, yeah, I love reading this person, and I love doing this, and it's like, yes, not what someone else is necessarily doing, but to find what made you come alive, what music made you come alive, what thing made, made you come alive. We're always sharing things with each other, and that's, that's good, that's fine. But you've got to find what makes you come alive in the Lord. You need to read where you feel life. It's all good, but you've got to find where you feel life. There's times when I find I'm in the Psalms and there's life there. There's times when I'm in the gospels and there's there's life there. The point is: be where there's life, be where there's water flowing. And and you you need to and you need to, the search is. How do I, If you're working on your marriage, don't ask someone else what they're doing in their marriage. Find out what to do in yours, in your relationships. Don't try to do what somebody else is doing. F- identify what you should be doing, and that will go a long way. I re- recently related that to someone. I said, when I'm, when I'm dealing with my marriage, I, I pray. I don't even go seek a counselor. I Through the years, I, I ask the Lord, Lord, how do I fix this? We have a... We have a clash here. We have a conflict. We have something that keeps coming up. Like, and I'll ask the Lord, how do I get through? How, what, show me what to do. Show me how to deal. Show shed light on this. When I commit that to the Lord, he, he, he gives me answers. What should you do with your life that really matters? Ask him. Ask him and wait on him. Just the asking gets a reward. It's like, you stopped and paused in life and asked me what mattered to me. Well done. Like, really? That was, that mattered? Yeah, big time. It's right here in the book. Get a reward for this. Let's move on. <laughs> you know? Like, just that you're a person that stops long enough to seek the Lord and ask Him, it matters. And often these people, these experiences, they're kind of just doing their own thing. Many of them were. And they have this abrupt awakening like, oh my gosh, this is real. So I've been thinking every time we worship here on earth, some of the people in this book, they never worshiped a moment in their life. So if you got to that point, if you got to the place where you truly believe in Jesus, wow, that really, that really, uh, Cash is in, in heaven. It is the, it's the currency. Having believed, having loved, being in this place where you're already walking with a consciousness of what pleases him. It's huge. It will be huge for all eternity. So don't grow weary. Don't grow faint in doing good and doing these elemental things. It pays off big. Promise. I promise. Let's pray. Father, I just commit all this to you. We just thank you for your word, for your promises that come. And uh, we just ask for a reset in our vision, what matters and how we go about things. That we're putting you first, that we're seeking you, that we're living our life in a way that pleases you. We just thank you for this wonderful holiday season we went through and all of our friends and family just watch over Uh, everyone that, that is just in need right now. We thank you for leading and guiding us. I just ask you to bless every household, watch over us by day and night, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Yes, we thank you, Jesus, for being here with us and working on our behalf when when we don't see you we know you're still working and we're waiting this is the Advent season that we're in right now and the the Latin word Adventus means we wait so we wait today and the generations before Jesus waited for his birth and they they anticipated it and they fully expected it to happen and we wait for his second coming and we anticipate it and we fully expect it to happen and between that first event his birth that we remember and the second event that we wait for his second coming is the communion table and we come this morning to the communion table waiting but it's not a lonely waiting we're not alone he's Emmanuel he's God with us and we're comforted and we wait with that expectancy we have time to praise him and to pray and to know him and to have the hope that Phyllis spoke spoke of the hope in his word is what we wait for and we long to be with our Savior it's not a waiting without hope we long for His healing. We long to be free from sin. So the communion table is prepared for you this morning. And when you come, you you proclaim who He is. You remember what He has done, His sacrifice on the cross. You remember His life and His death. And in this season, we remember His birth. But we wait with anticipation We wait, because he knows when your picture is gonna be perfectly developed. So come and commune with him.